Welcome to More Than a Few Words, a marketing conversation for small business owners. MTFW is a production of Roundpeg where we help small businesses become big businesses. Hey everybody, this is Lorraine and Allison. And this week we're going to talk about email. Email? Who reads email anymore? You know, I hear that a lot from people because social media is sort of the sexy new darling. Mm -hmm. But honestly, email still has a place. Well, you know, some of the most interesting research is saying that young people, I don't know if you've heard this, that young people aren't using email anymore. You know, they use Gchat or they use, you know, they tweet each other, they text each other. But I think that people, especially B2Bs, you don't need to look too closely at that data. Once those kids have to get into the workplace, they're going to be using email. That, that is exactly the case. And we see that with the professionals that come uh, working with us as interns or, or new college grads. It takes them a little while to shift their communication pattern. And I think as they talk to themselves, and I see it with you guys, as you interact with some of your friends around the city, you're G-chatting them throughout the day, but longer messages and certainly business-related communication it's email. Yeah, I mean, I certainly, we do, I do both. Uh, there are times when Gchat is appropriate, and there's times when, hey, they aren't online waiting for your message. So I think that the uh, the news of email's death has been uh, over-exaggerated. Absolutely. And not just, um, not just anecdotally, we've seen real data. We have clients who have great email lists. They've built these relationships over time, and they have a good list of people who like hearing from them. And they get high open rates and high forward rates as long as they deliver good content. I think the big question and the thing that stymies so many small businesses who are interested in starting an email marketing campaign, where the heck do you get that list from? And the list, this is not magic, people. You make friends one person at a time. What you don't do, <laughs> you do not buy a list. You do not pull an email list of everyone who belongs to your chamber of commerce or every realtor in your area. You do not pull these cold lists that you got from somewhere else. Because even if they opted into, let's say, use, they opted in to receive emails from the chamber of commerce, you are not the chamber of commerce. And I think the thing is, 10 years ago, when I started doing email marketing, and I've been doing it that long, there weren't a lot of email newsletters, and people thought they were cool. I mean, the imagine it, the open rates on my first emails were 75%. That's unheard of. I mean, today it's about 25, if you're lucky. 15 is pretty average in many industries, because people get a lot of email, and they are getting more and more selective about which emails and which email list they want to be on. I think a lot of business owners fall into this trap of if they only knew they would <laughs> want to hear from me. And the answer is not no. necessarily. Um, and so your lists have to be permission-based, and they have to be permission-based for two reasons. One, because you're pissing off prospects if you're putting them on your list and they don't want to be there. And two, if enough people can't complain, you're in violation of federal can spam guidelines and... Well, it has nothing to do with how many people complain. You are in violation of federal can spam guidelines, period. You are in violation. Um, 
while it's unlikely that the federal government is going to come knocking on your door, you do run the risk of losing the opportunity to use those third-party email solutions, such as Constant Contact or MailChimp. Basically what happens is with all emails sent from Constant Contact or MailChimp are sent through mail servers in order to route them to the individual email addresses. So essentially it goes from Constant Contact to, let's say, a Roadrunner or a Gmail account. Well, if all of a sudden Roadrunner starts noticing that people are flagging a lot of the stuff coming from the Constant Contact servers as spam, they're just going to slam the door shut and say, okay, no one from Constant Contact mail servers can email anymore. That's why it's in Constant Contact's best interest to keep the list of its subscribers clean because otherwise they're going to hurt all of their subscribers. And so if you've got a dirty list, you're going to find that Constant Contact will shut you down to protect the integrity of all of their customers. And we have seen it happen. We have had clients who said, oh yes, this list is permission-based, I promise you. Everyone told me that I could email to them. We send an email, spam rate is through the roof, they get shut down, we go back to them and say, what gives? And they say, oh, when I said permission-based, I really meant it was my chamber, or I really meant it was my it was a list of realtors or certain professionals in the industry. You can't do that, you will get caught. And here's another one that I think really surprised me. Um, I had a customer that would attend bridal shows as an exhibitor, mm -hmm. and perhaps there were five or six hundred brides who attended the bridal show. Mm -hmm. He uploaded that list, and Constant Contact said no. Mm -hmm. The only brides that he could put on his list were the ones that stopped by his booth and said, I want to hear from you. Mm -hmm. So. Two sides as you're building your list. I know that this takes longer, but you've got to do it one email at a time, permission-based. Now, we've talked a lot about using third-party email tools. Why do I need to use a third-party email tool like Constant Contact, Deliver, Exact, Target, MailChimp? Why can't I just send through my Outlook? Well, there are a couple of reasons that you can't send through your Outlook. The first is that the vast majority of um, emails servers, if you're using Comcast or UVerse or any of these, if you try to send more than 50 emails from your desktop at once, your provider is going to assume you are a spammer and shut you down. You, unlike these third-party companies, Constant Contact or, or MailChimp or ExactTarget, you have not negotiated these relationships and verified that you are legitimate sender of large groups of emails. And so suddenly that list of 3,000 people that you want to get in touch with, you're going to be sitting at your desk sending them 50 at a time. It's not efficient. Uh, also, the second thing is that you don't have a good system or an automated system in your Outlook to handle unsubscribes. Mm -hmm. And so someone who doesn't want to get your email has no way of um, saying, I don't want these automatic emails, take me off the list. If they block you, mm -hmm. even if you want to send that person a personal email, and I have clients I have ongoing relationships with, but they unsubscribe from my newsletter. That's okay. I can't manage that communication from my desktop. The other big thing that you're missing out is on it, the other big, big thing you're missing out on is analytics. 
um, you know, maybe you can reverse engineer some stuff and go through using your Google Analytics, your WordPress stats, you can figure out how many people click through from a mail server, but it's not really a good way of doing that because every mail server registers as a different referral source, so it's really tricky to compile all of that. But with any good email program, they're going to have a lovely, fabulous, greatly designed analytics platform that's going to tell you your open rate, your click-through rate, your unsubscribe rate, exactly which links in email people clicked on, um, how many people reported you for spam, and managing those bounces. That is the bottom line, is that marketing, well, the email is a marketing program. And it's not just sending these random notes, and like any other marketing tool, you need to hold it accountable. You need to be sure that what you're doing is creating the results that you want. Mm -hmm. Those analytic tools are invaluable, mm -hmm. whether it's testing for time of day, mm -hmm. subject line, length of email. The only way you get better is by looking at your analytics. Absolutely. So, okay, we're sold. You know, I don't want to have to send 50 at a time. I want to be able to track the analytics. How much is this all going to cost me? The vast majority of email tools are relatively, for, for what you get, they are relatively inexpensive. Um, MailChimp has got a really lovely free tool, mm -hmm. and I think you can actually have up to 2,000 names yeah. in MailChimp. And so for some clients who are sending out one or two emails a month, this is fabulous. Free is great. Mm -hmm. But there are some limitations on how many lists you can have, and how much slicing and dicing you can have. And so when you get beyond the basic email tool, when you're starting to use email as part of an inbound marketing system, where you want to take people who are interested in cats and put them on one list, and people who are interested in dogs and put them on another, and people who are interested in alligators, not on any list at all. No alligators. No alligators then you probably need to upgrade to either the paid version of MailChimp or Constant Contact. And now you're looking at pricing varying based on the number of names in your list. It could be as little as 15, 30, 50, maybe $100 a month. And I know that some people out there are going, oh my God, $100 a month, let me stop you right now. If you were gonna send a letter, a letter, physical paper, to 500 people every month, which is a relatively small direct mail campaign. By the time you were done printing, mm -hmm. writing, printing, shoving it in an envelope, and taking it to the post office, you're probably looking at a dollar a communication. At least. Yeah. I mean, stamps these days are what, at least 40? 50? I don't think they hit 50 yet, but they're in the high 40. We don't even know. They're <laughs> in the high 40 somewhere. And, and so at that point, that's $500 a month to talk to 500 people one time in the month. I have a mailing list that's got just under 4,000 names, and I send a weekly email. So it goes to 4,000 people four times a month, 16,000 potential communications and interactions, and I spend 50 to $75 total a month to do that. It is an extremely cost-effective, the return on investment for email is really probably one of the highest um, out there. And that's really what you've got to look at. You've got to look at the, the cost per 
person you're going to interact with. That's often one of the best measurements, what a, certainly one of the high-level measurements of marketing. Know how much it costs for each touch, and it's really a very direct line with direct mail tools. Now, there are other some other email tools out there that also add on a premium, maybe a penny mm-hmm. per email address, per actual email sent. It's still a penny per email sent and not 46 or 47 cents per email sent. But okay, so we've gotten past building your list, we've gotten past some of the costs. Oh my God, I don't have time to do an email newsletter. Where do I find my content? Well, hopefully you've already got some other kind of content going, whether that's a blog or whether that's a print newsletter. You know, some people do still have those, whether that's some social media content. Hopefully you've already got some of that going. If not, that's a whole other conversation. But if you do already have that kind of content, why use it only once? The, uh, when you consider the cost of writing a blog post or creating an article for a print newsletter, you want to be able to get the most life and the most value from the money that you're spending to create that content. And even if you're writing it, your time has premium. Um, reusing it in newsletters, I, I often get people telling me, oh, but it was already on my blog. People have seen it. <laughs> but go back and take a look at your blog statistics. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you probably get, if you're lucky, a few hundred people a day visiting your blog. But if you've got an email of 4,000 names, that means 3,700 people have not seen that blog post. Mm-hmm. And so it gives you an opportunity to breathe new life mm-hmm. into good information, share it with a wider audience. You can also use um, some of your blog analytics to tell you what people really liked. And if you don't have that blog, A, get one. But B, you know, think about what you're talking about with your customers that week or that month. Most or many, um, most or many businesses have a certain seasonal rhythm to them. So, for instance, if you're a veterinarian, you know this is this is flea and tick season. So you're probably doing a lot of talking about preventing, you know, ticks from getting on your dogs. If you are in marketing, this tends to be the time when we start seeing people kind of let up from their New Year's resolutions and kind of float off into the summer. And so we're about you know doubling down and getting to work. Think about the kinds of conversations you're having with your customers and then just start writing that in a simple letter format even. And that's how you do it if you don't have a blog. And there are a couple of things I want you to think about in terms of your email. There are different kinds of email communications, even in using a tool, an email tool. There is the newsletter, which is an informational piece. And the purpose of this is underscore information. Mm-hmm. If I open up your email and all you're doing is telling me about your products, your service, how I can buy, mm-hmm. and I'm not in the market for your product or service this week, I'm probably going to unsubscribe. Mm-hmm. And you're going to lose the opportunity to sell to me. But if I open up your email and it is informative, it's you're a, you're a contractor and it's filled with articles about things I should be doing around my home this month or it's from my veterinarian with things that I should be looking for for my pets. If you send me that kind of email, I will stay engaged and you earn the right to have a small sales offer at the bottom. So those are informational emails. There are occasionally, and these are appropriate, what I call persuasive or call to action emails. 
as long as you don't abuse this periodically. It's okay to send out a blast that says, just for our email customers, this week only, 50% off this service. If you do it too often, I'm like I said, I'm going to unsubscribe because if I want that kind of sale, sale, sale info, I'll probably swing by or call you or be in regular communication with you. The other thing that's really important is I actually hate the word email blast. I never use that term because, you know, it implies this kind of shotgun approach to marketing where you can't really direct the spray. And that's not what good marketing is about. And email marketing gives you an almost unprecedented level of control over which customers see which messages. We keep talking about vets because we're working with a vet client right now. Um, but we're developing separate lists for people who have dogs and people who have cats and people who have both. Because as a cat owner, I don't want to hear about your special on anal gland expression. I didn't even know that was a thing. I was horrified as a cat owner. Why would you have an animal that you need to do that on? So yeah, I see your face. This is a thing. But anyway, I, should I not be talking about No, that's fine. It's a good example. <laughs> okay. But anyway, as a cat owner, I don't care about that. I don't even want to know that that exists. I want to know, you know, about cat dental cleanings and what, you know, how I can keep my pet safe in the summer and those kinds of things. I don't care about 50% off the, the dog grooming. Get specific to your customer's needs. Um, and giving you an example from a totally different marketplace, I have a list of people that are, quote, out of town. I have a lot of people that subscribe to our newsletters that are around the country. They don't necessarily want to know when I'm teaching a seminar here in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. And so I create two versions of my newsletter if I want to talk about a local seminar. Why use valuable real estate to talk about something no one on that list cares about? Absolutely. And this doesn't mean that you have to redo everything wholesale. I've got another client who he has one email list that goes to realtors, which are one of his target audiences, and the other just goes to just homeowners. Jane and Joe off the street homeowners. And so I use the same general content, but I change the messaging of it. So for the realtors, it's about helping your client. And for the other one, it's more focused on helping you. Just by doing some very simple little shifts, you suddenly got two email newsletters that seem very, very directed and targeted without a whole lot of extra work. And the benefit is that the reader perceives that the communication is for them. Now, both of these kind of communications that we've talked about are, uh, and I know you don't like the use word blast, but these are what I'm going to call time-based. The newsletter or the special emails go out once a month, once a week, once a day, depending on what your rhythm is. There's a, a second use of email marketing that is equally effective is, is what I call the drip campaign. Mm -hmm. And in this instance, you create a, a string of three to five emails mm -hmm. around a particular topic. Mm -hmm. And instead of sending the email to everyone on your list, it goes to people who've put their hand up and said, hey, I'm interested in that. And the beauty of a drip campaign is that anyone can jump in at any time and the cycle will start over mm -hmm. for them. So it's, it's kind of like um, being in school, and even if you miss the first, you don't have to feel like you missed the first three classes. Whenever you show up, the teacher's in session offering mm -hmm. lesson number one. Right, and that's really just a way to really demonstrate your expertise, as well as just to 
always be tapping your customer's shoulder. Now you don't want to do too many of these. You don't want to do them too close together. You don't want to overstay your welcome, but you do want to do it in such a way that you're delivering great information to a customer so that again, you earn the right to sell. Ultimately, it is about being an expert in your industry. Now, if you're in true retail businesses, it is more common to have emails that are just sales items and promos. But even in those industries, I think Tamara wrote a blog post about guilt.com. Yes, G-I-L-T. G-I-L-T. And she talks about the fact that the more she shopped or clicked on buttons, mm -hmm. the better they got to know what her interests were. Amazon and does the same thing. <coughs> almost creepily, I um, kind of a funny sidebar note on Amazon. My husband and I for a while shared the same Amazon account. Mm -hmm. And so Amazon would be almost bipolar mm -hmm. in terms of what they would present as, you might like this, murder mysteries and Romance science fiction. Actually, that's funny because I actually share with my parents because they have Prime, so I can get free shipping on things, and so it's exactly the same way. And at Christmas time, my mom has to be like, don't go in the shopping cart, whatever you do. You can't look there. But yeah, so you know, you kind of screw the pooch when you when we share accounts like that. But the more that you use these services, the more you're able to tailor it, and that's definitely something for retail-based companies to look into to make their sorting easier. Okay, so what kind of We've kind of covered the high levels on email marketing. There's lots more we could talk about, but I'm going to say let's let's wrap here. If you are interested in seeing some good examples of email marketing, I'm going to encourage you to sign up for our newsletter. You can find it at roundhead.biz. I'm very humble. <laughs> you know what? We've been doing it for 10 years. We have consistent open rates, and we have very low unsubscribes. People have demonstrated that they like what we said. But you know what? You decide for yourself. Subscribe for a week or two, send us an email, and tell us what you think. We'd love to know. And you can subscribe at our website, roundpeg.biz. If you have enjoyed today's program and you want to hear more or learn more, and you don't want to sign up for the email, my feelings won't be hurt, you can just check out our blog because we do share all of the content there as well. Okay, I'm going to say that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode. We'll look forward to talking to you soon.